Welcome to Holy Cow, a Cubs podcast. I'm your host, Sean Holland. And today we have a very interesting guest, um, Amelia Griffith, who many of you know on Twitter as Amelia Cubs 12. And she is a enthusiastic fan of Kyle Schwarber. Let's put it that way. Uh, she doesn't really write anything on the internet, but her Twitter account is a must-follow, really. It, it is really interesting. Um, I She also contributed to my recent Home Run Derby recap. She has a little thing at the end about Kyle Schwarber's performance. But we also talk about Josh Hader, Justin Wilson, and a few other things. So uh, here is Amelia. The Cubs, we're in the All-Star break right now. Mm-hmm. Final day of the All Star break because the Cubs get to play a day early. Uh, I don't get that, but whatever. <laughs> um, so I'll just start with the question I always ask: uh, What do you think of the Cubs right now? I don't know. I'm feeling pretty good. It was I was a little nervous going into um, like the last week before the All Star break. Like it just did not seem like we were going to catch up to the Brewers. And I mean, the Cubs had a couple rough games in there. I think if I'm remembering right, but it's been a while. Um, but I mean, they were, they were played really well, like even with, you know, like kind of an underperforming um, Rizzo and without Darvish. And I mean, we all know the Tyler Chatwood experience. And then the Brewers, the Brewers, the Brewers just kind of, uh, I don't know, wet the bed. And so it's been, it's been nice to gain the division lead. I think that that's comfortable. And I think that that might power them and kind of give them that momentum that they need to kind of keep it going you know, like you have division lead now, like let's hang on to it. Let's not lose it. Now, I mean, so far they've shown us to be like just exquisite second half players. So I'm hoping that that holds for them. Yeah. And I mean, like last year, I mean, geez, <laughs> yeah. two games under 500 at the all-star break. Oh, it was ugly. Yeah. I mean, they got, they had gotten Quintana, but it was like, yeah, we're five and a half behind the Brewers. I mean, I thought the Brewers sucked. So I wasn't, I was like, we should be able, but then they just took off. But yeah. They're in such a better position this time at the All-Star break. They are. they are. And I'm hoping, I mean, I'm hoping that it doesn't like reverse itself and they just flop in the second half. I'm really hoping it's just the same as last year where they just come back and battle it back in the second half. I am a little nervous about that stretch. I think down the road in August and early September where they play, I don't even know how many games without a day off, but what are you going to do? Yeah, I think it's, I can't even remember. It's like 21, 22 days or something crazy. Yeah. It's a lot of baseball. Oh, I yeah, hate so, how I'll enjoy it. Yeah. Not having a day off. <laughs> I know they won't, but I won't. It's bad. Yeah, well, geez. I have to write re, like previews oh, for I almost every game. It's Yeah. That's exhausting. It's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of days on in a row, but, yep. you know, it, as long as they play good, it's okay with me. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Well, so I will get to the big question then. Since you are the Kyle Schwarber fan, <laughs> um, home run derby this Monday mm-hmm. came very close to winning. Oh my gosh! Yeah. I mean, Bryce Harper pulled it out at the very end. Yeah. But just talk about uh, Kyle and the home run derby. I know. I, it was. Oh, it was so much fun to watch. Like I was just like I was 
like beside myself for most of it, watching him actually win. And I was really nervous Reese was going to beat him and then he didn't. And I was like, what? And then um, I just, I didn't think there was any way that he was going to beat, um, shoot, who did he play? He played Reese in the second round, right? Yes. Okay. Wow. I've already, I'm so mumble jumbled from that night. It was insane. So I didn't think he was going to beat Bregman. I really didn't. I don't know why. I just kind of thought like, you know what? He's made it that far. Like, that's it. Like, it wasn't anything on him. It was just like me. Like, I think I was just trying not to get my hopes up. And then Mm -hmm. he did. He beat Bregman. And I was like, what? And then I just, his battle back against Reese was on real it was beautiful and it was just so exciting to watch I cannot believe he didn't need the extra time because I sat there for like the last 45 seconds and was like if he can just get the extra time he'll be fine if he can just get the extra time he'll be fine and then he didn't even need it and I was just I was like my parents were like probably put crack in the house's foundation like I was jumping up and down so much and it was it was really hard to watch the end of it um I I, I just I knew I think I knew that Bryce was going to beat him and it also I mean just like, I don't know, it was a gut feeling, but then also like Bryce had very short rounds. It didn't take much for him to beat anybody. And, um, he probably just had a little bit more strength than Kyle did going into the third round. And I mean, Kyle hit 55 home runs. Mm -hmm. And if I'm remembering correctly, I think Bryce hit like 45 and won the thing. So, I mean, you know, it's the bracket. That's how it works. But I was, I was disappointed and it hurt. It like hurt right in the right in the gut, but you know I survived, and I'm really proud of him. And it's just great to see him go to something like that and do so well in something like that. Just like barely even a year after he, you know, spent time in AAA, like that was a really hard thing to watch. Was his stint in Iowa? It was just really hard to see him go down after, you know, like we had all expected so much of him, and he just couldn't get to that. And it was it was really hard. So it was just it was incredible to see him go and do so well in the derby and get so much attention and so much praise it was it was great yeah and you know that when he hit the home run to win the second round i mean mm-hmm. i was yelling too my my mom ran out and like why are you yelling and like, <laughs> he, was, he just won the second round of the home run derby and she's yeah. like oh okay yeah i like i was like kind of on the floor and then kind of jumping up and down and it was i it was insane these really weird like psychedelic pictures of my tv screen because i don't really know what i was trying to do but i got pictures on my tv screen it was it was funny it was so fun to watch it i have never really had that much interest in the home run derby before like i think it's fun but like i mean since brazil has been there like i've just never had that much vested interest it was really fun to have something to be so excited about it was great yeah i'm a weirdo i like the home run derby like i i do think it's fun I mean, I write the recaps for it and everything. I, yeah. I can't believe that many people would read a home run derby <laughs> recap, but I do it anyway. Yeah, it's fun. It's re- it really is fun. And I think I definitely think this year made me appreciate it a little more um, because I'm, I remember last year I was really excited that Gary Sanchez beat Giancarlo Stanton out in the first round. Like I, I was just really excited for Gary because that's like a really hard thing to do. And he was absolutely not expected to do that. And I think I'm kind of an underdog rooter. But I mean, other than the, after that, I'd like, shut it off and I don't even really remember who was in it so it was just kind of fun this year to like really really get into that and just it was really enjoyable and I'm really proud of him yep and I guess I should mention that you did write a little bit at the very end of my home run derby recap yeah I did that's my only credentials when it comes to writing but I was glad to do it yep so that article is on Cubs Dan if you want to read it Mainly for uh, Amelia's takes, not mine, but... (laughs) I appreciate it. 
So um, I guess I, I was going to ask, like we were talking about before we did this podcast, but um, you were talking about how you became a Cubs fan, and you said it was kind of tied in, too, with how you became a Kyle Schwarber fan. Right. So why don't you just talk about that a little bit? Oh, my gosh. So I've, I've been in it when I was six or seven. It was, it was I guess it was 2003, so I would have been six when the Tigers were doing really bad. That was the season they lost, like, 40s or they won like 40 some games I was really mad about it because that was like the only baseball that was ever on in our house because that was what was in our market and we were in Chicago for some reason that fall and my mom's like that's where the Cubs play and I was like okay well that's where my favorite team plays now because I was just so tired of the Tigers and so I would watch when I was really little like every now and then a Cubs game would come on and I would be like glued to the TV. And I, I mean, that kind of faded throughout like middle school and high school. Like no one in my immediate family watches baseball the way I do. So I, it, it was just like kind of my own interests that really brought me back into it in like 2013, 2014. And, um, I think it was like 2014 when I really started to kind of pay attention to all of it and like really get into like analytics and these guys and see how they were doing. And I wasn't like deep into like defensive metrics or anything, but I was like, I understood like some of the more basic like batting stuff. And it was, it was really exciting to kind of understand baseball in that new context, because I really do think it like brings alive a whole new game. Um, but anyways, um, I think it was like by 2015, I was definitely watching pretty religiously and, um, the Cubs and it was like they were having a really great year and Kyle Schwarber was set to make his debut at Wrigley and I, I was excited as you are for any any minor leaguer to make their debut um, he came in as a defensive replacement I think for Miggy Montero who got ejected from the game for some god knows what reason um, at, in the eighth or ninth inning and he came in as a defensive replacement in the top of the ninth and I mean that was pretty uneventful and then his major league his first at bat was like he took three pitches and they were all strikes and he swung at two of them and one was called or the other way around. And it was, it was pretty, pretty sad to watch, but I mean, like, I was like, it was whatever. Like, I mean, that's, that was his first major league at bat. Like, sorry about your luck, I guess. Um, and so the next day I was like, I heard that he was going to start as the designated hitter in Cleveland. And I was like, are you kidding me? Because I mean, we'd all seen his at bat the night before and, I had just seen the lineup or something and found out or just found out he was going to start the next day in Cleveland. And I was really annoyed about it. And I was talking to my dad a little bit and I was like, you might as well just have a pitcher bat in the DH position there. And I wish that I had the receipts to prove that I said that, but I really, really did. And I was not happy about that until he got up there and hit a triple, like in the very first inning or something or in this, in the second inning. And then he hit like three more singles and, I think he like maybe grounded into a double play once or something if I'm remembering right. But that was like, I was like, Oh, okay. Like this guy might actually be good. And he just continued to have a really great 2015 and started playing out in left field a little bit. And he was doing so well. And I started to get really excited for him and I was really enjoying watching him play. And I was just excited for this guy. And I was, I don't know. He was just so much fun to watch. And I thought like he was really going to have like a solid career. And so I was really excited going into 2016. I was glad that he was starting with the team in early April. And he was he was at Chase Field, which I still, like, I get nauseous every time they play there. And I'm just like, ooh, this sucks a lot. But um, he's in the outfield. It's, like, top of the second inning. And he and Dexter Fowler are, like, running right at each other. And I'm, like, 
what's happening. And like normally when this is happening, like players are running right at each other. I'm like screaming through my computer screen and like one of them hears me and they stop running at each other. And these guys just didn't. And Dexter Fowler just kind of did like a very graceful little lunge into the ground. But Kyle like hits Dexter's legs with his own and does a backflip over a front flip over him and bounces on the ground once and then bounces on the ground again. And I'm like, there's like tears like welling up in my eyes is like, he's like, he's on his stomach. Like I vividly remember this. He's on his stomach and he kicks his right leg. The one that wasn't hurt. Like he's just kicking it against the ground. And I like, it looked like he was like trying to alleviate the pain or like he was just so frustrated with like the situation at hand, obviously. And it was really hard to watch. And I just, I think my like emotional investment in him as a person and player kind of came out of that part of the season where he was not with the team because I mean, they were just doing so phenomenally well. And I mean, here are the clubs, like they're off to the strongest start that I remember in my lifetime. And they, they have a very real shot at going very far this season. And Kyle Schwarber was not there to do any of it with them. And I was just so worried about him. And so I was like trying to get my hands on like, any piece of news or information that I could, any reviews that I could find with him. And I was, I was just so stressed about it. And I think like I calmed down a little bit by like May, I was like, okay, like you have to accept this is a thing that happened and I'm sure he's taking care of himself. He's probably fine. But like, I was just still really disappointed. And so I like, imagine my surprise when it was October and he's off to disable this all of a sudden he's, he's off the DL and he's been optioned to Arizona or whatever, however they say that. And I was just, I was just like, I'm sorry, what? I was excited because it was the end of the NLCS. And like, I know that they had made, I know like the joke was that Kyle Schwarber returns for the world series because I mean, that sounds like a big joke because he had torn his ACL. And I was like, there's no way he's coming back to play a world series. I think I might've made that joke. Oh, I'm sure. In, you like, in like May or June, yeah. like he's yeah. going to be back for the world series. Wait and see. Like just a joke, like just you wait and see, like he's going to do it. And then, and then all of a sudden they, they like released this lineup and Kyle Schwarber is in it and I am flipping my shit. Like, sorry for the bad word. Like, I wish I was on Twitter then because I just, I can imagine I would have burned the place down. Um, mm-hmm. It was, I was just so excited for him and to see him do so well, like to see him like mash off of these guys who are like Cy Young eligible and just like Corey Kluber, like, and just seeing him like hit ball after ball and just all of these big hits and big spots and just to see him do so well, like it was unlike anything I'd ever seen in baseball in the three short years that I'd been paying close attention to it. And it was just, I was so excited for, for him and for the team. And so, I mean, like every at bat was like, just like, I was like, I can't even put into words how excited I was every time he stepped up to the plate. I was just glued to my screen and there was no like getting my attention for anything. Like the building I was in could have been burning down and I wouldn't have moved. Like I would, I was just so excited for him. Like on top of the excitement and emotional exhaustion of the world series was this whole other thing where Kyle Schwarber was back and it was like not quite the world series excitement, but it was, it was pretty close. And so it was like two things kind of wrapped up into one and it was, it was a very draining week for me, but it was just so fun to watch him and to watch that team win it was just incredible and I was so excited well and, yeah um, I was going to add too there remember the drama about was he going to be able to would they clear him to play the outfield so he could play yeah. in Chicago and everyone was like and then like I was so bummed out when they're like nope yeah we're not clearing him 
Yeah, that was a bummer. But I, I was I think I was just too excited to see him everywhere else that I, I I didn't care that much. I was just like I was just like I was just I like to see him come up to the plate was just insane. And I think at that point, like I wasn't fully invested in like his defense. Like defense was just kind of a thing to me and I was like, it was whatever. And I was just like really excited to see him at the plate. And I was like, he's there, like I was elated and it was great. And so I was so excited going into 2017 and then it wasn't great. Like no. he, he, he seemed like he was off to a strong start. If I remember right, like the, his first couple of weeks of April really weren't that bad. Well, like, didn't he hit like a home run against like the Cardinals at like, he did that won was a like game. Yeah. Deep in the throes of his slump. He, or wait, wait, when it was like early, wasn't it April? Was it like, the grand was, slam or just a home run? No, it was, this was, um, like in St. Louis, I think it was the first series. He Maybe, had like a yeah. three-run home run. Yeah, it could have been that then. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. He was off to a pretty strong start, I thought, because I was pretty excited for him, and I thought he was doing okay in leadoff. And then he just kind of started to get a little cold, and I thought it was a little unusual. But like, also, I mean, batters—they—they're not hot all the time. Like we all know that. And so I was like, okay, like a little off, but like I'm sure I'll get back into it. And then he kind of was like not getting back into it, and. And then I think by the, like the second or th- I think by that Yankee series where they played those 18 innings, I was just like, Oh boy. Like I knew it wasn't great. I wasn't really willing to accept it, but I knew it. And, um, I was a little worried about him. I was like, okay. Like I knew that it wasn't who he was as a hitter, but I also knew that like, it was not going to really be an easy fight out of the slump that he was in. Cause it was like going on for a long time at that point. It had been like several weeks at that point, And it was just, it was getting really hard to watch. And he was definitely pressing at the plate. And I was, and he was like also really not doing that great out in the field at that point. I don't think. And if I'm remembering all this, right. It was kind of not something you really want to remember, but um, it was just hard to watch. And I remembered like the grand slam that he hit, I think against the Cardinals, like deep in the throes of his slump. So that was really exciting. And every time he would like someone just get on base, I'd be like, okay, he's turning around. Like, watch, he's, he's going to turn it around. He's fine. He's fine. Watch. He's going to turn this around. And that was just not the case. And, um, I, at the time was very upset that they sent him down to Iowa when they did, because I really do think that was a turning point for him. He was like really finally starting to look a little better and, the end of June, like it wasn't great, but it was certainly better than what it had been. And so I was a little upset that they'd sent him down then like hindsight is 2020. It was a perfect decision. He was down there for the perfect amount of time. And I don't think they really could have handled that any better. But in that moment, I was, I was just so frustrated with Joe. I was so frustrated with their hitching coach, hitting coaches. And I was frustrated with all the people who kept getting in arguments with me on Twitter and <laughs> I would get in arguments with them. Like I am not, not get not um innocent in that situation but um what was, you would get in arguments with people on twitter no, no me no it was oh it was just, it was really hard to watch and so it was i like when i found out he was going down to iowa it was like 10 a.m on a thursday and we were leaving for a vacation at night and i went home on my lunch break and i like cried about it to my dog because i was really upset it was just that was a rough day in general but like i was just so upset for him and so i was driving down the freeway when I, somebody, I think somebody called me. I can't remember who somebody called me and told me that he was coming back up from Iowa because at that point, like my family and friends were pretty like aware of my thing with 
being an extreme fan of his. And so, like, somebody called me, and I was, like, doing 80 down the freeway when I found out he was coming back up from Iowa, and it was not a pretty situation. Like, I kind of just, I think I was on my way to, like, a doctor's appointment or something, and I'm pretty sure I told the doctor about it, and the doctor was just like, I don't know what you're talking about. But I was I was so excited, and he did really well in his second half, like, all things considered. Like, it still wasn't, like, phenomenal, but it was much better and showed so much improvement. His swing improved, his stance and like his posture and his stance improved and I mean just watching him work so hard this offseason was incredible and I was very proud of all of like the determination that he's put in and I think that's a big thing with like how much I like admire him is he's just he's so persistent and so dedicated I mean you don't just come back from six months off your knee and do what he did in the world series without a lot of hard work. Like it's not just luck and magic and whatever else went into that. It was a lot of hard work too. And I think I just, I really admire like his resilience, like coming back from like these things that most hit, like most players will experience like once in their career, that really bad injury and a really bad slump. And he did it all in like a year and a half. And it was, so I was like, it was just really cool to watch him like come back from that. And this season has been so fun just seeing him like do well and kind of have an uneventful season, like barring like the home run derby. It's just been great to see him like really even out and really improve. Like, like not only like his slugging is also getting better, but his like getting on base, he's getting really good at getting on base and watching the ball and he's really, really disciplined at the plate, which is something I think is very underrated about him. I, I'm sure like people know it, but I just don't, I personally, my very unbiased opinion is that we don't talk about it enough, how disciplined he is at the plate. Um, I, it's just been, it's been amazing to watch him grow as a player and as a person throughout everything that he's been through the last couple of years. Yeah. And you know, I can, I can tell you my theory about uh, 2017, which I, I stick pretty good. I stick to this theory. Um, I think making him hit leadoff was a huge mistake. Oh, I agree. I very much agree. And I was still have a little bit of a vendetta against Joe for it. Um, like Joe is a really good manager. He's a very good clubhouse manager. He's, he's, he, you know, he's had his moments in game and he's, he continues to do so, but overall I do think he is a good manager. Um, but that was, I was very, very frustrated with him last year for that. It was really, really, really hard to watch him like continue to bat this guy at leadoff who clearly wasn't doing very well there. Yeah. And it was also just like, if you think about it, he had this world series right? where he came out for the injury and did all this stuff. And like, you know, I mean, he started the rally in the 10th inning for God's yep. sake. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's a, and he came into the next year and everyone's like me included. I definitely was one of these people was like, he's going to have a huge year. Oh, same. I mean, Absolutely. look how he, look how, yeah, look how he hit in the world series. Now right. over a full year. He's going to go off. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, actually on the Cubs den, we had like the preview for the season. We all like mm-hmm. guess on categories and stuff. Yep. And they're yep. like, who's going to be the um, breakout player, the comeback player of the year. Yep. And they, we literally put in it excluding Schwarber because everyone was going to say Schwarber. Right. right so like with, other than Schwarber was going to be the breakout player. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it was like, and I think the pressure was just oh, I agree. so high on him to be like, yeah. And so, yeah, I just think he, and then hitting him lead off. Yeah. I just didn't like it. Yeah. And he was young. Like he was 23 when spring training started and I, he, he's young. And so obviously I, like, I really do think that like with the younger guys, like that pressure gets to their head very easily and they start to press very easily when they get into 
situations, like when they get into those slumps, I do think that they press and he still does. Sometimes he doesn't like he used to, but he like those younger guys, I feel like are very prone to it. And I mean, certainly older players are as well, but I feel like especially those younger guys just have feel like this immense amount of pressure on themselves to really perform to the best of their abilities all the time. And it's just not possible. And so I think this, that really got to his head. I do. Yeah, that's what I wrote going into this year that I really thought he was going to have a big year because the pressure is going to be reduced. Right. In better shape, so he should be better in the outfield. And I, right. I had a really good feeling. And so far, I think I've been right. So Yeah, I think so, too. He has definitely gotten a lot better in the outfield, which is something I also think we're not talking about enough this year. I mean, obviously, like, he does make those big, goofy errors, but, like, I mean, what large adult son doesn't in the outfield? And I think that those errors are, like, one time out of, 30 but they are very remembered because they are big and goofy and I think that they just contribute to a narrative that really shouldn't exist but that's again another very unbiased opinion of mine and yeah, well, um, you know I was going to ask you about that um could you explain to the something you put on Twitter but explain yeah. to the listeners your Kyle Schwarber Justin Wilson theory about oh, the one yeah. bad yeah so I think another thing that we're not talking about enough there's a lot of things I don't think we're talking about enough one of them is um, that Justin Wilson is also doing quite well this year. I mean, it, I understand for a lot of people, it's very hard to let go of what happened last year. That was just a very rough thing to see. When you get a new guy, you expect him to be good or else, like, why would you trade for him? You know, and so I, it was really hard to watch, especially, like, having watched the Tigers a bit here and there. Like, I'd seen him play a couple times, and it was it was just – it was tough to watch him go through that. But this year, he is, like – He's had, he's certainly had his blowups. I know there was that game in Cincinnati we don't like to talk about, but, and he's certainly had a couple other times out to the mound that have just not been great. But overall, he's been very consistent and he's maintaining a really low ERA and a really low um, FIP. Is that how you say it or do you say FIP? I don't know. I say FIP. I always say FIP. I don't know. Um, yeah. He's maintaining a really low FIP and um, not, not extremely low, but like very good low. And, um, but he has, like, just like Kyle Schwarber does in the outfield, he has these big, goofy defense, defensive mistakes where he trips over his own two feet or he trips over air or a shoe flies off or whatever. And people just remember that. And I think the same goes for Justin Wilson. Like, people just remember that he, like, when he blows up, he blows up. And, like, all relievers do. Like, they blow up from time to time. But, like, with Justin Wilson, when it rains, it pours. And it's just, like, really hard to watch. And obviously there's, like the context of what happened last year and it's very hard to let go of that and so you just think well he's clearly still bad but like if you really like kind of take away those and really try and look past those um he's done quite well and most like he has like very good outings like I mean some of them seem like they're gonna blow up but they don't and some of them are like just they're I mean they're good outings and then sometimes he does really well out there and I think that we're just not noticing that enough and I think it's a little bit um, muddied by his performance last year of course but um, I do think that's something that people should be paying more attention to well it bugs me too with um this is, I always think it's really bad with Pedro's stroke yeah he's like really good and like People still bring up a Cardinals game he blew like three years I know, ago. I know. Like, it's Pedro Strope has absolutely been one of the most consistent relievers we've ever had on this team. And he is, I, I am not 
shy in saying that he's one of the most consistent in baseball and he's an amazing player to watch. And like his pitching just like 99% of the time is just, it's so much fun to watch him out on the mound. And I don't understand that. It did blows my mind. Yeah. Well, I'll bring up another thing that is baseball related, but not exactly the Cubs per se. Um, You tend to be pretty outspoken, which I encourage on Twitter. Yeah about like some stuff with off the field issues. Like mm-hmm. we'll just, how about we'll just talk about Josh Hader today. Yeah. That's the big Ooh, news. So yeah, that was ugly. That was really ugly. Very disappointing to see. I was not happy at all. Um, I know I saw some tweets at first that were like kind of funny. And then, you know, the tweets, the very like racist and homophobic and sexist tweets started to show up. And I was like, okay, never mind. This is not fun. And, um, I was kind of proud of the internet in a weird way for how quickly it got blown up and how quickly there was action taken. You know, like Jeff Passan, I think, tweeted that, like, his family was asked to change their jerseys and, like, people had turned their shirts inside out. And But it was it was very disappointing to see. Very. Yeah, <laughs> like, you know. I can't even – just how do you reconcile that? You don't. It, it was really hard to watch. Yeah, but Amelia, he was only 17. Oh, my gosh. How Do you know how old off the top of your head he is? Yeah, like, um, it's, I think he's, like, 26, 27. Okay, well, yeah. Like, I, I know I kind of tweeted this earlier, but, like, the difference between a 17-year-old racist and a 26-year-old racist is that there there is literally no difference. Because at 17, you absolutely have the cognitive capability to understand racism and white supremacy and why all of it is bad and toxic and just disgusting and should be eradicated. And it's just that we can't let go of it. And that there are still people out here who think like this is just, it sickens me. And I just, I like feel the need to be so outspoken about it until like things start to change because it's just, it's really ugly to watch. And it's very like deeply embedded in a lot of our institutions. And I'll try not to get too far into this, but it's just like, there has to be so much change for like to stop seeing stuff like this to, and it's just, it's, it's really hard to watch sometimes. And I can't imagine being a person of color who saw those tweets or a queer person who saw those tweets. It's just gotta be really hard. Um, just to know that like people who love people who play the sport that you love to watch, don't think very highly of you and who really think that because of who you are, you're like inherently somehow lesser than anyone else it is just really hard to watch fans go through that yeah and it's like i mean you were 17 more recently than i was but yeah <laughs> there's a lot of stuff you'd say and do when you're 17 that you probably regret of but course. i think that that is not the stuff i did right like when i'm pretty sure when i was 17 i thought imagine dragons was a great band and i regret that but like i wasn't racist yeah exactly and by the way when i was 17 was 2003, so you made me feel really old. You're six in 2003, geez. I was 17 in 2014. Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, in 2014, I knew better than, than white supremacy. I knew that that was not the answer, and I knew that white supremacy is a very toxic and damaging thing and that we really need to own up for it and take responsibility for it and like very actively work to change it. Yeah. Well, I'll try to cleanse the pound a little bit for yeah. um, Javi Baez. I mean, come oh on. Oh my gosh. Who doesn't love him? I love him so much. 
He is so much fun. He is so much fun to watch. I can't get enough of him. Just on the field, at the plate, this year has just been incredible for him. And I am just so excited for him because he got a lot of negative. um, He just got a lot of like, there's a lot of negative discourse around him that he really did not deserve. And I do think that he, he, I do think that he struggled with plate discipline discipline and um, obviously like the strikeout rate. I, I obviously he struggled with all of that, but like he has made so many improvements and he is just doing so well at the plate and on the field. And it's just insane to watch him play. Like, I can't believe that I live at the same time as Javi Baez and I get to watch him play baseball. It's really great. Yeah. I can't believe the people, anyone would be like, I don't like it about my team. I'm like, mm, all right, whatever. That's your problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that those people who say that are really going to regret that in, you know, 10 or 15 years when hobbies retired and we don't have that kind of like assuming that there is no other hobby bias out there, which right now I'm not convinced that anyone could ever replicate what hobby bias is doing. Um, I think they're going to be regretting that. He is so much fun to watch and he is just what baseball needs. All right. Well, I, I'll ask you one non baseball question. Okay. Um, you go to Michigan or you're about right, to be yes. done going to Michigan. Ooh. So, <laughs> um, what do you think about Michigan basketball and football coming up? You feel I, good or bad? You know, I, I love college football and I love Michigan football, but for me, for football, like I, I, you know, it's gotten to the point every year where I, just, I don't expect them to be Michigan State or Ohio, and it's great when they do, and I will be rooting for them to do so. But for me, a lot of it is the experience. Like, I really can't accurately in words describe how great it is to go to Michigan Stadium every Saturday in the fall. Like, I mean, the leaves are turning, there's a lot of beer, and, like, there's just a sea of maize and blue headed down to Michigan Stadium, and it's just the most fun thing in the world. And I'm with all my friends, and we're screaming our faces off and singing very loudly and cheering very loudly and chanting very loudly, and it's just so much fun. And so I am very excited for the season, but as far as, like, analytics and, uh, like, um, projections and stuff, like, they're going to do what they're going to do, and I'm going to have a heck of a time watching them. Yeah, they should make some bowl, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure they'll make a bowl, and I'm going to enjoy the heck out of it. And I might try to go, but that's also expensive, so we'll see. But (laughs) I I just am really excited for them. I'm really excited to watch Michigan basketball, too. I love John Beeline. He goes to my church, so I know him kind of, sort of. Like, he recognizes me when he sees me, which I just, I think is great. And I... (laughs) That's probably my favorite fun fact about myself is that John Beeline recognizes me when he sees me. Um, and so that's been really fun. And I um, watching them go to the um, championship this year was incredible. And I can't like to be able to witness that while I was in school was just something else. And I know that, that I was very lucky and that's not something that happens for a lot of people. And so as even though I didn't win, I got to sit in a bar with like a thousand people from my school and watch this game. And we had so much fun. And um, I know they're losing a lot of really good guys. I know I'm a big Lakers fan now because Mo is there. Mo Wagner is there and LeBron James is also there. So, I mean, Mo might not get playing time next season, but I am a Lakers fan now. And um, so it's been great to watch them. I know they're losing a lot of guys, but I do think that John Beeline is absolutely one of the best coaches in the NWCAA and NCAA. Wow. (laughs) I do think that John Beeline is one of the best coaches in the NCAA. And um, I think that 
I mean, they were supposed to have a down year this year. He, he told us, he's like, he does a talk in my church every year. And he said, you know, I think this is going to be a quiet year for us, but I can't wait to learn and grow with these guys. And that's what he said in 2017 about their 2018 season. And I mean, they went to the national championship. So we'll see. Um, I'm excited for them. I have not, I'm honest, going to be honest with you. I haven't paid that much attention. I don't know what they're projected to be like next, next season, but I'm excited to watch it either way. Yeah. And you know, I will say, I, I cheer for Boston College a little bit because I've got relatives mm-hmm. that live in Boston. But, of course, being in Montana, yeah. I, I like the Grizzlies. And they put up quite a bad performance against your Wolverines in the first uh, round of the tournament. Oh. Uh, oh. Like, make a shot, you losers. And <laughs> yeah. You guys have good defense. I'll put it that way. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah their, their defense this year was not – was a lot better than I was expecting. And it was really, it was just so much fun to watch. And I'm very glad that I got to have that experience and that they got to have that experience. It was really great. And I will say that I am a Lakers fan, not because of <laughs> Michigan guys, but I've always been a Lakers fan. Okay. So yeah. I'm glad. Welcome aboard the, the Laker Thank train. You. I'm very appreciative that I am a lot on the bandwagon with every other LeBron fan. And I just want to tell everyone that, I watched a bunch of their games the last five years when they sucked. So <laughs> I'm not a fair weather fan. Yeah, there you go. I definitely am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna, I'll be honest. I absolutely am when it comes to the NBA. I am absolutely a fair weather fan. So I'll be honest about that. No, honestly, always works. Yep. I agree. Well, yeah. Well, uh, thank you for coming on my podcast. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was really yeah, fun. No, no problem. I and appreciate it. Maybe you'll be doing some more writing in the future. Right? Goodness, I hope so. If I ever, if I ever like can get myself to write more than a hundred words at a time, maybe we will see. I hope so. Yeah. Well, that is it for this episode of Holy Cow Cubs podcast. Remember, you can follow me, Sean Holland, at sth85 on Twitter. You can follow Amelia. At Amelia Cubs Twelve on Twitter. Uh, if you have a question for the podcast that you'd like to get on, you can email me at holycowpod at gmail. Holycowpod at gmail. Um, you can subscribe to Holy Cow Cubs podcast on iTunes. Just go in the iTunes store and search for Holy Cow Cubs podcast, and you can subscribe. And if you do subscribe, can you please rate and review my podcast? I'd love to know if you were listening or not and get a rating. I mean, you can give me five stars or, I guess, one star if you think I'm doing bad work. Whatever. Just let me know you're listening. And we will have another episode very soon. I've actually recorded an episode with Stacy Gotsoulias, a Yankees writer, but it's good, I swear. And until that one comes out, Thank you for listening.